Welcome to Coach's Corner with your host, Ryan Watson nope, and John Thornton. <laughs> I'm just letting you know I'm going to hate it. you going to hate it? Yeah. All right, here we go now. Get behind that line. We're going to do it right. Do it right. Do it light. Let's go. Welcome in after week one. This is the Coach's Corner with your host Ryan Watson and Jonathan Bourne, brought to you by Broadway Sports Media. Check out broadwaysportsmedia.com. We are currently running a special with the discount code KICKOFF30. That's K-I-C-K-O-F-F-3-0. It's good for 30% off a monthly or annual membership for life, and that expires on Sunday, 920 at 12 p.m. Central. For anybody out there confused on time zones, that's 12 p.m. Central. And nine twenty is not the the game time or when it ends. Uh, that is the, that's the date September twentieth. Just, just want to be very specific about that because it's not another game starting at nine twenty at night. Oh my gosh! I, I we're, we made it through though, right? I mean, we're here this uh, to record the day after the marathon of a game that was just to seem like with the, and then with the live shows afterwards hopefully hopefully everybody was able to catch Jonathan on the halftime hits with Mike Herndon some great information uh, y'all hit on trying to stop Fant and that seemed to come true so that was good the coaches were obviously listening to it through the live stream and then afterwards uh um Mitchell Lebowski Mike Gillum ran us through the uh, Sunday night roundtable on a Monday. So look for that after every game halftime. Uh, we're going to hit the, we're going to do the halftime hits and then we're going to do the Sunday night roundtable after the games, uh, right after the game. So it'll be a little live streaming, get the Broadway crew. We'll have some route, you know, just some open discussions. Uh, we'll, we'll rotate members. So you'll see some of your favorites that write some of your favorite articles out there. So stay tuned for that. But on to this first game, Titans at Denver. Jonathan, we were way off on our predictions. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those things that, uh, and I talked about it at the halftime show yesterday or last night, this morning, all kind of blends together at this point. Um, that first quarter was just sloppy. I mean, it was, it's unfortunate. For, I, as a coach, you'd have to hope that coming out, you're the more mature team. You can get that big lead on them in a perfect world. You're going to come out there, get a lead, make Drew Locke drive it down the field on you. They came into that game, um, and it was very sloppy. They, they definitely looked like a team that was playing their first preseason game. And you look at the games that happened throughout this, uh, this first week, and there were a lot of teams that didn't seem to have that rust. So it raises some questions um, as to kind of what the issues were. But look, um, and we're going to get in a little more in-depth on the game, but ultimately good teams have bad games and still find a way to win. Mm-hmm. which is what they did. Right. So we, we can talk a little bit more about how they ended up winning it, but it, it was it was a sloppy game. It wasn't super pretty, but there were a lot of things going against them. Yeah, as I said last night in the roundtable, this is a game that in Titans teams in the past would find a way to lose. So I think that's the important part here. You get frustrated from the missed kicks. We'll get into all that. But it's easy to get that frustrated, but it's you have to come away thinking. And I saw the headlines where it was more that, the national media, and this is why Broadway exists, because the national media spin was the the talented Broncos team let one slip away. I never watched. I never really got the feeling that game that the Broncos were the better team. I got the feeling that the the Titans were the more gassed team, and that they were thin in some spots. But they had the advantage in some areas. Uh, some they didn't, but they they were they moved the ball 
at ease at times through the passing game. Run game was a little harder to come by. And that's kind of where we're going to start is just to go over the stats. And I agree with you on the preseason. I'm going to let that lie. That was a great point. And uh, some of our past shows, we pointed out that could be a problem for some teams. We'll see if that carries over into week two. Uh, for the matchup next week versus the Jaguars at Nissan Stadium. We'll get to the more in that in just a little bit as well. But some of the stats, the big surprise, well, unless you're Mike Hearn, I think he called this one. Uh, the big surprise of the night, Corey Davis, seven catches for 101 yards. Adam Humphreys, six for 47. And A.J. Brown, a quiet five for 39. What I'd like to point out there, just from the stats, is that that's a pretty good reception total throughout throughout the group. And then you throw in another, uh, let's see, I think uh, Johnny Smith had – four or five catches himself. Uh, I thought that right now, I apologize, but I know he had seven or eight targets. All, all four of those guys had seven or eight targets. So, so Tannehill was spreading the ball around, looking for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, they're tight. Obviously, they've been a tight end heavy uh, team uh, forever, <laughs> especially since uh, Arthur Smith has taken over. And you kind of saw that last night with two touchdown catches, both from the tight ends. Uh, just missed A.J. Brown on another one there at the end, which sure. uh, trying to go for that kill shot. But um, yeah, I mean, it was one of those on the offense. They they kind of do what they've been doing. They're going to be tight end heavy. One of the things that I noticed is that they weren't overly heavy on tight end help to the right side, which is something that we were kind of looking and seeing maybe they're going to help out Dennis Kelly over there a little bit. Uh, but they seem to trust Dennis Kelly to, to be their right tackle. They're not going to uh, – and he and he's a seasoned guy. You, yeah. I mean, you know what you're getting with him, but you can't babysit him. You don't, I don't think you need to either. So I think you saw them, you know, they like to run left. They, they ran they ran right. They didn't have a ton of, ton of success going outside. Um, and you can talk about that a little bit as well with a little more detail. But as far as the offense, what they were trying to do was consistent from last year. Um, and it's, I mean, it was, it, and that's what you hope to see. Balanced in a way. What I mean by that was, I mean, you, you had 31 rushes from Derrick Henry. And, oh, by the way, the, he was your back of the night. For the night, I mean, there was no, there was no backup there. Evans, I don't even know if he made the trip. He was injured, uh, scratched before the game. So I mean, it's just one of those things. Uh, he had 31 carries, a tough 116 yards. I remember looking at the box score afterwards, going, "Dang, he got 116 yards," because it just never felt like he could get loose. But he was constantly getting three, four yards, two tough yards, and honestly, you're going to have some games like that in the NFL, and you as a coach. Give me those three or four yards. Set me up in those manageable situations. Make Arthur Smith's job. And that's the thing I, I don't ever really remember too much during the night. A too many third and fifteens, third and twelves, you know, behind the sticks type plays. And, and credit to Arthur Smith for doing that, to, to not going away from what they do and having that consistency to carry over. And just while we're on that subject, for the run game, look, I haven't seen the all twenty two yet, but just from watching the broadcast view, which as an offensive line coach, it's kind of tough for me to tell all the assignments and where all the leakage was come from. But my impression was that the, the Denver Broncos defensive line did a hell of a job in this game, eating up multiple blocks. I saw multiple times where, where Ben Jones and A. Davis were on one defensive lineman, uh, Saffold and Lawan, Saffold and, and Jones, kind of all over there, allowing their linebackers and their safeties to crash down field hard and to be able to take advantage and to shoot the gaps and not give Henry much reading room. I saw a couple things online where it said Henry looked like he was tentative. He was tentative because linebackers were jumping in his face. He was trying to make plays still. And he was still looking for a way to get a positive yards, which he did, I would say, the majority of the runs. So kudos to the Denver Broncos defensive line without me looking at the film from the from the end zone perspective. I would say that they played assignment football. They did what they were supposed to. And, and not for nothing, Drell Casey had himself a hell of a game. 
Yeah, I mean, in, you know, a lot of times you did see Derrick Henry one-on-one with a linebacker um, or a safety, something like that, and that means your defensive line generally is doing their job. They're eating up those blocks. Um, the Titans weren't able to really get to those second-level blocks very consistently, For sure. which is the reason that you're getting those, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust kind of thing. Um, I do think there's some truth in that uh, Henry wasn't, he didn't look like, you know, mid-playoffs Henry, um, but... Yeah, you, well, it's not December yet, so let's see. <laughs> yeah, right, and so um, hopefully he doesn't have to have another chat with Eddie George. I think he'll be fine, but it, it is something that, you know, if they go into this game coming up this Sunday and they struggle to run the ball and it's really, you know... Um, plotting and they're not able to really light it up passing the ball. I don't think they played a bad game on offense. Their first quarter was was very sloppy. You had four uh, penalties, two of them on offense that put them in when they, you know, they get the first first down. They put themselves in a uh, first and 20 situation. They get backed up. They end up getting a quick screen out to Jonu Smith on a delayed screen who actually picks up the first down. But, you know, even though you got the first down, then you're having to use that kind of play to go get that right. that, that long play. So it, it's one of those that you never want to keep putting yourself in those situations. And past the first quarter, I thought they did a good job of doing that. They and started to clean it yeah, up. Yeah. Uh, I do think, though, all around, and we haven't talked about the defense yet. We'll but get there. All around that the Titans were gassed. I mean, and yep. there, there's no doubt about that, and they, that's a combination of yes, it's the first game. You can only simulate so much to be game ready, and that altitude is not a joke. I mean, it, it very much is an issue. Mm-hmm. So it, it's one of those that um, I do think there's some strategy in how they went into this game um, that begs some questions, especially defensively, about the personnel that they had available and were going to go with, knowing that that was going to be an issue for the conditioning. Um, but overall, it was good that they were able to hold on, and not only hold on, but they really kind of pulled out the win and came up with the big plays at the end. That's what it really comes down to, because um, they, they were in trouble early. Yeah, and you mentioned the, about the defense. We'll get that in just a second, but just one more point about the offense. And the personnel decisions, at least on offense, were pretty solid because they were getting stuff in the run. They didn't abandon the run, and that still allowed, the way that Denver was playing the run, it still allowed for gigantic holes to be open for play action. The crossers, and let's keep that in mind because I've got some points about the Jaguars later on, um, about some of those crossers of some of those unders where you have a receiver coming across the field through different levels, expanding it probably 12 to 15 yards, right there in the middle of that defense where there's the big hole in the zone, or if he's running away from man, you get some – pick plays, those kinds of things. So th- those are really working for the Titans uh, last night. And it was nice to see Arthur Smith have that creativity and still – and then here's the other thing too. Tannehill was sharp. I-, I know he didn't have like this massive 300, 400-yard game, but his throws were sharp. They were on point. I think I saw maybe three that were – that were there was that bad interception that got wiped out from a, from a penalty, a personal foul, I believe. And there was a couple that were just off target a little bit, like the A.J. Brown towards the end of the game. So maybe four – five total that were just horrible threes. Everything else seemed to be right on point, right on schedule, and had zip on it. So, again, this is what you have this year in this offense and why I'm looking forward to it and why I'm looking forward to the way Arthur Smith is calling these plays. And Adam Humphreys being involved, that's a very good sign because the people were hot on Khalif Raymond. I was like, God, I hope not because that means Adam Humphreys is also going to disappear again. I don't want that because that's a solid number three receiver if you can get him going. Yeah, I mean, you look at – I mean. Adam Humphreys did what he, you expect him to do. Sure. You know, he knows where to get. He knows where to find the holes in the zone and get get the get the they yards. Um, <laughs> and so, you when you look at Khalif Raymond and you talk about Ryan Tannehill, his bad passes, his most inaccurate passes were pretty much all to Khalif Raymond. Sure, um, and that is some on Tannehill, some on Khalif Raymond as a smaller target, 
Um, they were tough catches that, that Tannehill could have made it a, a lot easier on him. Um, and then you have the interception, which, again, we haven't been able to get to, to the All-22 yet. Hopefully the NFL would help, will have released it hostage by the time that this Or all the playbooks releases. are going to be out there if you've seen that. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, it's one of those. That uh, interception actually looked like it was a miscommunication of some sort. And with somebody like Khalif Raymond, who's a speedster, uh, anytime that a play is longer developing, you finish your route, you kind of go into a little bit of a scramble drill. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of time, it looked like Tannehill thought that he was going to be coming back to the ball, and it looked like Khalif Raymond took off up the field. Sure. Again, haven't seen the all-22 on that, but there's anytime you see a ball that far off from the receiver, Something's up. Something, something generally went wrong, it, or the ball got tipped or, or got hit as he was throwing, and that wasn't the case here. So definitely looked like there was some miscommunication with Khalif Raymond, and I know he's gotten a lot of press, a lot of pub coming out of this training camp. Uh, but not a great night for him. Um, no, nope. so, but, but I do think your your top receivers did what the top receivers are supposed to do. It was interesting to see how they go to those deep uh, those deep crossers uh, off off of play action. They're a super play action heavy yep. team. Uh, they use motion a lot to get these linebackers and safeties to declare where they're going to be going. Hit the hit the play action, and the reason those deep crossers are so effective on play action is because you get those linebackers to suck up a little bit, and then that really opens up that, that deep second to third level between exactly. the linebackers, over the linebackers, in front of the safeties, mm-hmm. where they can really get it. Now, if you're in man coverage, you sometimes may have that corner that's on the on the wide receiver. In this case, a lot of times Corey Davis in a trail technique, but that's where you have these big guys, Corey Davis and AJ Brown. A lot of AJ Brown's big plays last year were on those deep crossers, so it's interesting. And probably a good sign to see that Corey Davis is having that same sort of impact. Yeah, because if they both can have that impact, because in AJ Brown, we, we mentioned this in the game, he looked like he might have been dealing with something. I'm not sure when it happened. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on. And maybe the the altitude was affecting him a little bit. Well, and look, AJ Brown. We talk about how the dude's built. He's built like a running back. He's a big dude, yep. and so I mean, he he's not built like a still marathon. Had five runner. catches. I mean, yeah. he still contributed all in the second half, but you know, or mostly in the second half. Yeah, so. but having that second gear and that altitude for a guy his size, mm-hmm. it looked like it, I don't want to say there's been no reports of him being injured of any kind. Looks like he may have gotten his breath knocked out of him at one point in the game, but he definitely looked like he was yeah. being impacted in some in some form or fashion. And boy, if you've never landed on a football like that, you know you're. Your chest hits football and your football hits ground. That's a that's a tough. You you need a minute. So I've I've had that not exactly that, but landing on people. It's just it's it's an oof moment. So glad he was okay. Glad glad relatively injury free coming out of the game for everybody. A couple big plays on offense before we move on defense. Um, I got to just talk about the 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 first touchdown to Michael Pruitt. Michael Pruitt one catch for one yard on one target for a touchdown. That's that's a heck of a stat line, baby. But that play, it was it was play action again. Tannehill quickly wrote Henry, popped up, looked outside to Ferkser first, who was coming in on it. I called it a slant last night. I was wrong watching the film again today. It was more of an end cut. He just went, he stepped on the smaller corner's toes and tried to cut in. But the corner played it really nice. There was a... Um, arrow or an out route, a swing route coming behind it that sucked up the linebacker or that overhang safety that really opened up that hole there to be able to put a dart on the outside of, of Michael's shoulder. And again, Ten Hill was quick, he was decisive, and he threw a dart in there. And I am so super proud of, of Michael Pearl for making that catch because it was tough. That thing almost slipped out of there, but he, he caught it, he crowded it, rolled in, and it was a great first touchdown for the Titans. Yeah, I mean, it was, again, you always like to see those guys in 
Mike Vrabel by throwing the ball to some offensive tackles last year. He seems to reward guys that go in and do their job. And Michael Pruitt, yeah, he didn't get a he got the the one catch for a touchdown, but over but he was in the game as a blocker. Yeah, he's a, he's a workhorse. A so and that that's what he does. So to see a guy like that get rewarded is always nice to see. And once again, we talked about it in one of our other podcasts. Players respond to those kinds of things. It goes back to why players love playing for certain coaches. That's a reason that they like playing for Mike Vrabel. Yep. And the second touchdown to Johnny Smith, um, that, that play was just it was it was a thing of beauty. Again, you had the play action, you had the the motion, you had the de- the defense guessing all the way around. Then you had this crosser coming from the other side, Johnny Smith being able to build levels and catch it in the back corner of the end zone ish back in that area wide open it was just a great play design by the titans on fourth and one when everybody and their brother probably thought that they were handing off to derrick henry for the try to convert on fourth and one from our fourth and goal from the one well and that's one of those where when you have the personality of the titans and you run the ball the way that they do a defense almost has to sell out to try and yep. get that stop um so to have that ability and that's a, that's one of the reasons and we'll talk about again the defense here in just a moment about their their goal line stand. Uh, the Titans are unique in their ability in how they're built, so they have that personality everywhere they're at on the field. They have that same goal line personality where they want to pound the ball. Not every team's like that, and so whenever they get down there, uh, teams aren't built to sell out and also still be able to go adjust and go stop the pass and whatnot. So most teams at that point, yeah, you're selling out to stop the run, and it's almost like a fifty fifty gamble that you're playing because that's super tough. Oh, one hundred percent super tough. So let's move to the defense because I've got to be honest with you the defense especially in this early in the second half were the stars of the night they looked gassed at times in this game they they for lack of a better term they nutted up they, it was a grit game it was a grimy game as some of the guys like to say um it, a lot of the, who, the guys who stayed on the field mind you <laughs> were really toughed it out and they came into the game with only three outside linebackers so you knew it was gonna be a tough night and I think that uh, our colleague again the Mike Herndon's article he predicted 60 percent for Jadavian Clowney, it was was 80%, whatever it was. He was in there almost the entire game. He was gassed. Landry was gassed. Landry came up with some big plays late. So, I mean, you you had guys still going. But as I mentioned, the guys on the field, what I'm alluding to there is that Rashawn Evans loses his composure in the first quarter and throws a punch on Jake Butt and gets his butt ejected from the game. Yeah, and that's one of those that – Evans is is past the point that he needs to be making mistakes like that. He's got to be. He's getting to be one of those veterans that has the experience. You come into a game, you have to know. You have to know where you're at as a linebacking core. You only have three outside linebackers, and they talk and tout how Evans is a guy that can come up and rush the passer. So he's almost your pseudo fourth outside linebacker that yep. can provide some depth from those positions. So for him to go down and get kicked out in the first quarter, you put. You put your team in a bad situation in a game where you know conditioning is going to be an issue. So it's just compounded something. If there was ever a time that was a terrible time to have that kind of kind of an issue. Now, uh, technically, the NFL could look at him to, you know, possibly have a, a longer suspension. The fact that it happened in the first quarter is probably a little bit of a blessing for the Titans because he's it, there's kind of time served already. So right. you're kind of in a position that it's probably unlikely that they're going to suspend him. But just just a bad, bad play um, to, to put your team behind the eight ball right there. Yeah, stick with this just for a second because I, I – you, you, I got what you were saying there, but I really want to hammer something for the listeners here to tell. Not only did he put the Titans in a bind from his main position, 
But you've got to think this coaching staff was going to use him as that emergency slash rolling outside linebacker to help rush, right? I mean, as a coach, when you see when your starter guy, not only your starter guy go down, now you start going through, what, what, what kind of thought process do you go through as a coach knowing that your starter's going down and also knowing what you possibly have for him game plan-wise in other areas? Yeah, I mean, and they've talked about Evan's ability to come up and rush. So putting him on the edge, they talk with the versatility that they can show on defense. Having Evans in there, he can you, you can maybe bring in a David Long to play a true inside linebacker or a Compton who was the first guy off the bench when Evans went down. He gets some snaps in that defense because you need Evans to go play outside a little bit to help build that rotation. When you only have three active outside linebackers, one of which just signed a couple days ago, you know, he's been training, but that that's fine. We all know how training in one situation versus game ready, then that that it just really hampers what you can do as a coaching staff. And that that's a guy that you probably didn't expect. I kind of consider it, yes, they lose him at, at inside linebacker, but it really was losing one of their outside linebackers where they're already thin thin. and you got to think watching that game too as as just as coaching scheme goes that you know that some of those late runs some of that especially that last touchdown from melvin gordon that that is rashawn evans specialty to undercut and be able to blow that up you gotta think he would have made a difference on some of those plays i'm not saying they wouldn't have scored i'm not saying anything about the flow of the game because what happened happened it could have changed depending on, on all that. But you got to think he would have made differences in the game because he's, he's too good of a player, regardless of his faults. He's too good of a player not to make a difference in the game, especially in the run game. So he was definitely missed. Um, but as a whole for the defense, we, we talked about they were gassed. We talked about the grit. We talked about the grind there. We talked about um, uh, Bayard uh, coming up with his first forced fumble of his career, which was kind of a surprise. When, when I saw that tweet, I was like, wait, really? Because he's such a ball hawk, you you expect you get all the interceptions, but then that's his first forced fumble. I was like, okay. And if you go back and watch the play, this is coaching its finest. He goes in with that that upfield hand, I guess I'm going to call it, as he comes in, and it goes straight for the football, and it has this little punch, grip, rip motion, and he was able to get enough on it, pull it out to where it starts to teeter out of Melvin Gordon, and when he spins him down, that ball just pops free, bounced around a little bit. You had a great comment afterwards. If they didn't get it, you were going to throw something against the wall. Well, the, you see three Titans go for it, and they all are fighting. They're the only three on the ground. At fighting the each other. They're fighting each other for the ball. The ball was missed, and then it became, it was Simmons and one of the Broncos' offensive linemen whose name escapes me, and it, it was a whole lot closer to not getting that fumble back than it probably should have been. And that's the thing. Once fumbles are out, and you always talk about, you know, fum, how many fumble recoveries did they have? Yeah, because fumbles, once they're out, are just kind of luck. You don't know how the ball's going to bounce. Is it going to bounce to the right player or to the wrong player? So you kind of saw it on that play. I was kind of saying that mostly in jest. But as far as the play in and of itself and where they were at in the game, they were in a situation that if the Broncos drive there and get points – then the game flow really starts to change. So to come up with that play when they did to give themselves a chance right there, because I think that's when they went down to tie the game, is that it really gave them, it, it flipped the script. Or, or re-leveled the script is probably mm-hmm. the way. We always talk about holding serve. Um, and you kind of look at a game, you know, teams are going to score. And so you know the Broncos are getting the ball back at the in the second half. So you got to you can't put yourself behind the eight ball. You're not the Chiefs. You you can't play catch up ball with this team the way they're built. So that they had to hold serve to use your term to go down there and score. So that turnover was huge and more than just a turnover stance. I think is what you're saying, and I agree 100. percent Yeah, timing the timing of it was crucial. So a huge turnover to to get to make the plays. And you know, from a coaching standpoint, you talk about winning that turnover battle. 
Yep. I mean, they get the fumble. The the Titans have a interception that uh, that gets ruled, you know, taken away by a penalty. Now the Titans also drop two interceptions, so that that helps. But yeah. And it was one of those, defensively, that play was just huge for the entire game. Yeah, and, and there's a very big moment in the game. And just to kind of stick with a few other big moments before we move on to the duds of the game, because I've got we've got some big ones. Um, well, we've kind of covered one of them, but anyway. Uh, you mentioned Simmons there, getting the fumble recovery. Simmons was a monster. Simmons had a little quip at Jerry Judy. Uh, if you, you go go check out Titans Film Room Twitter, uh, I think he was able to pull the video for that uh, about the little comment to tell Judy to do. Please remove yourself from the field, sir. Uh, this is about as much as I'm going to go into it. But Simmons was a monster. He is a beast on the inside. I love that he was wearing the red sleeve because, you know, it's so hard to find him on the field, right? I'm yeah, joking. Yeah, he can blend in. <laughs> so, but the reason I bring him up as a monster because there was this – it is kind of funny. The last time that this goal line stand was of this magnitude and of this uh, reminded me of last year versus the Chargers. And who was the running back for the Chargers? Anybody? I think Mel- it's, uh, Melvin Mel- Gordon? Belvin Jordan? Belvin Jordan? Melvin Gordon. And so now he's back with the Broncos. He's on the Broncos, and they have another goal line stand, the Titans. So it, it's a bunch of big plays there. Simmons makes a great tackle where he literally – bear hugs the runner and they can't and to not allow him to reach across the goal line picks him up off the ground and then falls down backwards with him not 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 a personal foul you see too many guys like trying to do the wwe thing and, and body slam him back he literally just picks him up and says you're not going anywhere that's he's just a beast man yeah i mean the, you traded away a Jarrell casey you traded, traded away a guy of that caliber so to do that is it you better get that kind of guy, that kind of step up from a guy like Simmons. You took him in the first round when he was injured. So to do that, he totally came through in the first game. And I think they had several players, especially on defense, that came through and lived up to the task. Yeah, for sure. That Simmons play was just one of them. The Titans looked gassed at that point in time. So I was like, oh, there's no way. I mean, they're going to roll through here. But credit to the defensive line, credit to the coaching staff to be able to have their guys ready and to make those plays because you had Simmons picking up Lindsey and pulling him back, not allowing him to reach the goal line like we discussed. You had a Landry pressure that prevented a T- TD pass right there uh, in the back of the end zone, which was huge. And then you had uh, Dunsbar. Zubnar. Zubnar <laughs> with a big stop on Gordon uh, there at the game. And then and Simmons fighting off a block. Again, Simmons again fighting off a block to smother Jake Butt on a little cute. Denver got a little too cute on that fourth down for my taste, to be honest with you. But thank, um, thankfully they did. If it works, they look like geniuses. A little, They did basically rolled Minshew out. They had a flat route for him to go. He had the run option, but he also, it was a called pitch all the way. He's got that, he's got that tight end undercutting him that he can just kind of pitch it to because if it's a fumble you know there's not a fumble well it's a fourth down so it doesn't really matter don't know i'm going to that point but he caught it Simmons was right there to read it and swallow it up and turn over for the titans my co-host getting a little anxious there for to talk about the game coming up and drop in gardner Minshew's. Name. oh i'm sorry so, my bad yeah my drew, bad. drew lock drew lock here. yeah who by the way i thought well played... m- motion uh <laughs> rolling out sorry yeah. i went right to Minshew yeah. after my breakdown i apologize so that, that's one of the and by the way i think drew lock played a pretty good yeah. game um so for a guy that well, there are lots of rumors in the draft last year that the titans may have had interest in uh thought played very well for a young quarterback i mean mm-hmm. he made some he made some errors he um, doesn't suck but 
his skill players, frankly, Jerry Judy. Two big drops. Two big two big drops. Those are game-changing drops, too, in those situations. Yeah. Well, and one thing we talked about last week is that talking about the impact rookies can have coming into this game, it's their very first game. So it's not just uh, whenever you look at the veterans, at least they've been on the field before. So you're talking about guys coming into their very first NFL game and having no preseason, no real conditioning, that that's the guys that having no preseason can really impact. So, I mean, you talk about on the Titans defense, probably the biggest surprise to me was the amount of playing time that you saw from a Chris Jackson, yeah. a seventh-round draft pick so, who played 60% of the snaps. So, I mean, you're talking about a guy who plays over Armani Hooker in the slot. That's, a, that's probably the biggest surprise to me. And then also playing over your second-round draft pick and Christian Fulton. Now, given... Christian Fulton missed some time in camp, but at the same time, one thing I did see that whenever Jonathan Joseph went down, Christian Fulton did play outside, which yeah. is where I thought he should be playing in the first place. That's where he's probably more most comfortable with, with no action. He may move inside and move around a little bit, and yeah, it was injuries that caused but, it, but I'm telling you that that makes things easier for a guy like that. I think to your point, too, did you hear his name called a whole lot? Fulton? Fulton? No. And, and that's good. You know why? Because if an offensive lineman doesn't ever get his name called a ton, unless it's for big, you know, just massive hits, that's a good thing because you're not messing up. You're not getting big throws thrown on you. So Fulton, you know, again, don't have the all twenty two, but it, my impression from that is he had a good game and he played well. So you, you see those things about uh, – let me ask you this about Jackson and Fulton. Do you think that's more of they that Jackson just had a great camp uh, versus other guys, or you think it's just – kind of in the moment with injuries and, and what's your impression there moving forward with the coaching decisions? So I think he's a smart he's a smart guy. I mean, whenever the Titans took him in the seventh round, there was a lot of questions about, okay, who? That's who they took? I mean, on seventh round, you have these guys that you kind of fall in love with and you want to take a shot on. But they've liked the dude even through the draft process about how he would fit in with this team. So reports are he's, he's a smart guy that has picked up the defense. Now, if you look at PFF grades, which aren't everything, he had a terrible game. However... You're throwing a dude into the fire to go against go against an NFL team. You know there's going to be lumps with it, so you're only going to... That's the thing. This should be the bottom for him, which is unusual. Not, a lot of times you have... This is their fifth game playing, and they're going to get a lot of time in the preseason. So a lot of times they've already got some tread on their tires. Not in this case. So you're starting off very fresh. Unless I'm missing something. P PFF must have some amazing access to all 22 to be able to grade the corners and the safeties accurately is all I'm going to say. Yeah. So, I mean, there were definitely some plays where he was getting smoked by Jerry Judy, and I'm not going to get into, you know, missed plays here or there because, yeah, they were big drops by Judy. One of them may have gone for a touchdown. He had he had a, lot, had of a space, lot of space and when he dropped it. But there were missed plays all around in this mm -hmm. game. Um, I mean, you talk about just kind of that warrior mentality. Harold Landry playing 97% of the snaps. And then, Had to. and then we talked about Clowney a little bit. Clowney playing eighty percent of the snaps. So you, you oh, had, I was right. Okay, yeah, cool. Exactly. You just knew that. <laughs> and so you talked about these guys playing that much. And I think one thing you saw with Clowney, he definitely is familiar with the defense, but he's not exactly a master class yet. Right. They they primarily lined him up at a standard outside linebacker or a, an so edge position. Much more with they him. they mixed it up a little bit yeah. where he was getting some inside rushes. Had one really strong rush on Dalton Reisner coming inside through the through the a gap, he which put, is. Yep. Probably their best lineman, to be honest with you. Yeah, and so Clowney was every bit as advertised. That that's been I'm happy. That's been you know just hit ad nauseum. So you definitely saw they weren't they didn't seem that they were quite as um, multiple 
in the front as they typically are. Uh, they didn't try to manufacture pressure quite as much, and it's probably something to do with not having quite as much rotation, just letting them line up and play. Yeah. Um, there were a couple times where Clowney got sucked inside, chasing down the backside of a play, and that's, again, you don't have a ton of reps through camp, so it's one of those, like, I'm sure when it happened, it was like, ah, oh, right, that's how you're supposed to play it. Because I think he just kind of showed up and played, which... Not not a bad performance, no. all things considered. And you gotta you gotta think here. The coaching staff is going to look forward to another week with him, another another week at home, not in the mile high altitude, and be able to be able to, to increase his usage. And I don't mean like increase percent watch, but increase like his creativity of where they're going to bring him from and how he's going to react, and him knowing more of the plays are going to allow that. So you just give him another week in the meetings. What what did he have? Three practices, two practices, whatever it was. I mean, I know the guy's a gamer, but. Lower expectations a little bit, but now I'm looking forward to another week. Looking forward to the Jags. But I've got, before we go on, I, I, it looks like you have one more thing to say, but I want to talk about one more big moment in the game. But what did you have to finish up on Clowney? Well, not even Clowney, just overall defensively. Uh, they One thing I did like is they didn't do a ton of their uh, two-man rushes that they did. He saw it once or twice. Uh, the Titans kind of fell into a habit of that last year, especially, especially where they'd rush two, drop nine guys into coverage. But what ends up happening is you're not getting that pass rush and somebody's going to get open. Sure, um, I'm okay with it against certain young quarterbacks, especially mobile young quarterbacks, because time gets in their head and they'll run themselves into pressure is what tends to happen. Remember that for later. Yeah, Locke, Locke <laughs> is not that kind of guy. He, he will find time in there. Um, he will move around some. So I'm glad that they didn't do that because I do think that was something that kind of plagued him a little bit last year for sure so last big moment i talk about before we get on to our duds and then we get on to the jags um last drive game winning drive starting from your own 10 yard line and tweets after the game i always love to, to hear the little interactions between the players and the coaches after the game Tannehill talking to the guys one play at a time guys one play at a time there was never that immense pressure i gotta think this goes back to the type of coaching staff you have and that you're not ever pressuring and kudos to art smith here and this is what i want to talk about from a coaching perspective they were balanced they were calm they got out to the 46 yard line 50 yard line midfield in a hurry they they cut the field in half quickly and then once you get there you have time to make sure that denver has no to little time left after you attempt a field goal so that was very balanced they still ran henry they still look for their guys they still threw to open spots it was it was well protected by the line, well coached up, just all around big sack up moment for the for the Tennessee Titans, and it was just a great moment. They ended in a game winning field goal, which I I'm going to be honest, you had to tell me he made it because I I couldn't watch. I just it was just I I'd seen this movie before as I tweeted out. Yeah, that's one of those. I I don't know if I would have had the cojones to throw to throw the kicker back out there. I I mean, I probably would have in that situation with how, how long the fourth down attempt would have been. But I mean, it, it takes a lot. Now that said, it was a much shorter field goal, and frankly, he was due. Yeah, I mean, he he'd hit everything else there. So it was nice to see him come through and make that kick. And trust me, as a there's a stigma. In football, for for kickers, especially when they start missing, so it was also nice to see the team really rally around him when he did make it. So we talked about in one of our earlier shows about grading Vrabel from last year to this year, what we hope he keeps up with the aggressiveness. That's a moment where we talked about going with the analytics and going and trusting your gut. 
trusting that your kicker that you paid 2.5 million or whatever it is to is going to go out there and make this last kick for you, especially from that distance. You know, obviously if it's a longer field goal, I'd be real curious to, to be inside his head to see what his coaching decision is. That's a big moment for your head coach to decide we're going through. And I saw it on the sideline too. I'd, I'd love to a lip reader to go, but like as soon as like they got stopped for that fourth down, he got, he, he, he immediately said three. No, are you kidding me? Three. Like some, I don't know if someone was arguing with him, questioning, wanting to bring something up, and he said, "No, we're 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 kicking the field goal here. Are you nuts? This is this is. I don't care what's happened. He's making this one, and that had to be a little confidence boosting for Goskowski to go out there and do that. Yeah, and it was really interesting to see the. Um, it was kind of because of the misses. There was some real coaching chess moves or maybe it was checkers because it was missing uh because of the misses that between Fangio and Vrabel there Vrabel's trying to run down some time and make the the Broncos take their timeouts so that they don't score too quickly well sure. the Broncos almost played themselves because they they kind of seem to be in that mentality of okay trot out the kicker that's already yeah. missed four field goals so there you <laughs> yeah you get into that moment and I don't know the exact right answer there because now once they got super close yeah you start burning those timeouts I think there was a little bit of a mess up there by Fangio and we can get into other coaching malpractices by him where they did they're come out and passing when they should have been running the clock out yep. that, that kind of bailed Vrabel out in my opinion from some uh, one big mistake that happened well, they were snapping it super early in the clock yep. too that yep. before that last drive. So I mean that's and I, I think the, the TV announcer, but I kept thinking, man, they're going fast. Yep. They should have been in in in, in four minute football, and, and they were more like in two and a half, three minute football. I just it's just they needed to slow the time down to, to give they gave tight they gave the Titans the ball back with too much time, two minute warning, two timeouts. I believe I'll have to yep. go back and correct myself later, but it just yeah, coaching malpractice there and young quarterback too. Maybe you're not trying to give him too much to think about. Yeah, potentially. I, I, who knows? We're not. We weren't in that in that mindset. Glad they made that decision. We talked about the duds for a little bit here, but I really only have one dud because we covered all the other ones I had listed here through talking about Evans throwing his punch, the conditioning a mile high, alignments in the blocking scheme is hard because they're playing well, but it's hard for me to say without all twenty two. So we'll dive into that maybe at some point. But really, we kind of touched on the missed extra points and the, the missed extra field goal, uh, extra point and the mix mix missed field. Goals. Let me slow it's down easy here. Easy for you to say. Yeah, easy for me to say. Um, but one of them was blocked. I don't know if it was low or what the deal was there. So it's not all on him. But but again, you missed that that first one by a little bit, and then the next one gets blocked. It's quicksand. It's quicksand. It's the it's the yips, man. And 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 we'll see what happens. I, I kind of agree with Mike. You can't. I don't think you can cut him yet because now if this comes back to bite you and it loses you the next game, okay. That's fine, but I mean, I don't think you can just go through kickers because then you're going to be. I think you have a uh, you have a saying that says quarterback purgatory. We're going to remain in in, in in kicker purgatory. And maybe the confidence of him trotting him out there for the game winner. Maybe the the the, the camaraderie that Compton showed him right before going out by by putting his arm around him and saying, "You got this, man," or whatever you know, just that that story that came out. He's a part of the team. I don't say cut him. Don't leave him in Denver on the tarmac because I saw tons of people because it's just. The football sense here is you've got to keep rolling with him. Obviously, if he has a similar game next week, that's an easy decision. Yep. I mean, he, he handled it well after yep. the game. Oh, I mean, talking 100%. About, he would have taken his pants off to make that kick. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's all you can do. You laugh it off. I mean, the guy, you can tell when he has the personality and the attitude about it that will, that makes you believe if there's a chance of coming out of it, he has it. The guys that are depressed and are, are saying things in the locker room where you can still tell they're really beating themselves up about it. Cause you got to move on to the next one. And speaking of moving on to the next one next week, Jacksonville Jaguars after fresh off their win over the Indianapolis Colts come into Nissan stadium to take on the Titans. Um, 
because of how the NFL was set up, I wasn't able to watch the game live, but I went back and watched the the broadcast, the game uh, on Game Pass, and went through it uh, fairly quickly. Again, all 22 is not available, so I wasn't able to look down into it. So hopefully for my In the Trenches article, I'll be able to look a little deeper into their offense and defensive fronts to see if there's any weaknesses or things to take advantage of. But starting on offense, they're mainly 11 personnel, which – Everyone should know what that is, but it's just one running back, one tight end. Uh, they do that a lot. Even when they go spread shotgun, the tight end primarily stays in the game because they still run out of that. That's the first thing I want to bring up is that James Robinson, who? At Illinois State, I believe, turns out to be their workhorse and actually had a really good game. He was a bit of a surprise. Uh, 16 for 62 yards, so not like eye-popping off the yeah. – the. but he was he went, they went to him early. He runs hard. And that offensive line seems pretty capable from what I saw in that first game. Yeah, I mean, Colts defense leaves a lot to be desired. They, sure. they made it made some big trades in the offseason to try and beef up that defensive line. So if they were going to have a strength, their their front seven would be that strength. Now the the problem is is that it, it they they're not spectacular anywhere. Um, so they they left something there. Now I will say this about the Jaguars. You talk about that eleven personnel. That means that they've got three wide receivers out there. I will compliment the Jaguars coaching staff for a team that talked about being power mostly. They've made a conversion over the last year or two since pretty much Minshew came in. What offense did he come out of? He came out of sure. that spread offense. Mike Leach's offense at Washington State, so he's coming in here, and they really adapted to what he does well. He's a guy. He's very much a game manager. He's a, he's a spread Chad Pennington. Um, he's not. He's wow. Not, that's perfect. Yeah, he's not a guy with a cannon for an arm, but he's going to. He's accurate. He's accurate. He's very accurate. Um, and they really give him throws that are very manageable. He's not a guy that is forcing the ball into dangerous positions. Now that could come back to bite him. Um, when he gets forced to do those kinds of sure. things. Titans had a quarterback here that could be accurate before some injuries, um, but didn't take the chance with the ball a lot. And so you see how that can really come back to bite you when you start to hold it, and Minshew will hold the ball. Now, that said, he was 19 of 20, I believe, with three touchdowns, if, I, if, that's, if I'm remembering correctly. You are. None of them were really tough throws or great plays. It's just taking they were, they what the were, defense gave you. They were good play designs, especially on one of them. That I think it was to Cole for the not the last touchdown, or maybe it was the last touchdown, where they rolled him out, uh, really hit that cover. They love hitting that open window in the cover two zone. Well, and that, that's great play design because you know that's what the Colts are going to sure. be doing. They love to run their cover two. They're going to sit their corners on those short routes, and then they're going to run those safeties over the top. So, fi- that I mean, that's a cover two beater. And you, they, they beat them. Exactly. Three or, so. I think three or four times I saw they went to the well there, and it's not going to be the case with the Titans, at least at least how they roll there. So, But more on that in just a second. But, I guess I've got in my notes here that Minshew was creative at times. He makes he makes decent plays off schedule. He liked to get outside the pocket. I thought he was fairly accurate whether he was in or outside the pocket. Now, a point you made later on that I told everybody to remember, and just to hammer it again, you said that it, the longer he holds the ball – you could, he will run into sacks. He does. He did that a ton because that's the thing is I don't think the Colts necessarily threw a lot at him. They they rushed with four for Basically. the majority of the game. And so did the Jags. So, again, this is kind of one of those things like no preseason games where they vanilla on both sides. Is all the teams vanilla? You, you know, but they didn't really throw anything at him. He ran himself into sacks. And, and otherwise, there wouldn't have been any because I think the three that I saw, three or four, he ran into. 
Yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, I think you see uh, two very different teams um, between the Colts and the Jaguars. Colts, I think, are going to be very up and down. And when they're up, they're a much better team than the Jaguars. And you kind of saw that in that game where they were able to move the ball and the Jaguars up and down the field. But turnovers, turnovers will get you. And Phillip Rivers turning the ball over the way he did. Um, yeah, that's that's what loses you games. The Jags weren't turning the ball over, and they, they're protecting it. They're moving it. Look, they're not going to do anything special, but they didn't beat themselves. And if you don't beat yourself, you give yourself a chance in the end. And that's exactly what happened. Colts did not take advantage of their opportunities, and the Jags did. Watching that game, and I kept asking myself, how did the Colts lose this game? And then at the end, when I saw the the, th- the third interception, okay, that's how. Because Rivers just played chuck it up and pray basically. Uh, but the Jaguars, just to keep in mind, too, they do have a decent young core of receivers um, between uh, Chenault, Cole, and Chark. Uh, they all were kind of balanced five or three catches each for between 20 and 40 yards, but they each had a touchdown. So nothing, again, electrifying, but the fact that they use all three guys, you have to respect them. I've seen a lot of things, ah, oh, it's the Jags, it's going to be easy. No, you've got to respect these guys because I think that they're just smart enough on the on the coach's side for the offense and just capable enough that if you make mistakes, you play loose football, they're going to take advantage of it. Well, and Ch- Chenault is a guy that they've talked about using in very creative ways. They'll use him as an offensive weapon to move him around, play some running back, play that slot receiver, play outside. Um, so he can, he can hurt you in a couple different ways. Um, so they do have a danger a, a dangerous young core. Uh, that said, once again, business decision. There were other factors going against you in Denver with the altitude, the environment, the uh, late start time. You don't have those this time. You have a short week, but again, the the Jaguars are pretty openly not trying. I mean, the players that are there are trying as hard as they can. I fully believe that. Yeah. That said. You were an immensely more talented team than the Jaguars. Again, business business trip. You got to take care of business. That's that exactly. Don't play down. Play play you. Do yep. do you. So on defense, just real quick. Uh, mostly uh, saw four three four two nickel. They do get in some three man fronts and dime situations. Uh, they love to go over under versus tight ends, especially double tight ends. Look, so you're going to see a lot of that over under front. Th- Front, where they have the four down linemen, they slide them over, and they have the three technique on the backside. They roll the linebacker up on top of the tight end or on top of one of the tight ends, so they can kind of cover up their gaps there. So I expect to see a lot of that versus the Titans. Uh, they were more into a 4-2, 4-3 type of defense against uh, the Colts based on personnel. But when the Colts rolled, rolled Doyle out there into some bigger sets, I think that's what you're going to see from them. Uh, interior D-line got pushed around a bit, in my, in my impression. They were more like reading and pushing and kind of playing with their hands uh, pushing on the offensive line instead of attacking them. So we'll see if that carries over into the Titans. If it does, I think the Titans are going to have a major advantage there. Uh, as much as I think the Jags' offensive line was above average, I thought their defensive line was rather poor across the board. Yeah, and I think this is where, I mean, if you can get a, a guy like Vic Beasley back this week, I think that's something that could really help uh, to turn it loose and go after uh, Minshew, make him t- make some decisions he doesn't want to, or he will hold the ball and give you the chance for some sacks. That's one thing I think Drew Locke did a good job of, getting the ball out mostly. Um, Minshew will hold it. Um, and so I think there's going to be opportunities for sacks on the defensive side. Um, I don't know if he's going to give you too many opportunities to make interceptions, but if you do, you got to take advantage of those. You can't have the dropped interceptions. Especially if they're tipped or something and you get a gift. Yeah, but ultimately, Titans offense should be able to win this game. Hopefully. So just to, uh, real quick, uh, finish up with the defense. I think they can be uh, – how would you attack the Jags on defense if you're the Titans? You mentioned Beasley there getting after Minshew, but what's some other good points? Uh, rapid fire here as we wrap up. 
Yeah, I think it's just, again, young quarterback, you're going to be going after him. Um, you One, get him behind the sticks. Don't let him get those two- and three-yard gains. Stop the run. Take away the run and put the ball in the hands of Minshew and then turn this pass rush loose that you've spent a lot of money to actually build. So I think you're going to play. Your, you're going to get multiple there. Um, but, again, I'm not dropping a ton. I'm going to go get Minshew and make him make some more difficult throws. Now, you'll play some games with him. You're multiple yep. enough. You, you Look, at the number of DBs that have playing time and experience now, you can play some games with him. So as far as that, I think you're going to see a lot of nickel package going against uh, going against them to try and take away the, the that 11 personnel. But I think you're going to see Clowney start to get moved around a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's first and second down. Yep. They are not built to make up a lot of third and longs. Got to stop Robinson early, in my opinion, the way they used him last game. Uh, offensively, the way that I look for the Titans to attack, uh, I think the, the Jags are pretty soft in the middle on those crossers, which fits right into what the Titans love to do and and what they're built to do, honestly, through their play action. So I think you look to attack on the crossers just like you did in this last game versus Denver. I think that's going to be there again. I honestly think the offensive line is going to have an easier time with this four-man front, front based on how they like to run things. And I know that you, you – three versus four defensive line, but trust me, I think that just from playing experience, four mans can, can open up your rules a little easier. At least they're easier to see a lot less indecision. So I, I look for them to attack their inside zone, their powers, their windbacks, and really, really look to, to take advantage of the, of what they have there. Also look, uh, Tannehill is going to be sharp again, in my opinion. And I think that he's going to hit these plays. I think that he's going to flirt between 250 and 300 again. And that's my impression of what the offense is going to do to the Jaguars, and I think they're going to come away here, in my opinion, with a 10-point win. Well, now I can't say a 10-point win. Is this where I go, like, an 11-point win, Sure, Bob. Pro- Sure, Bob, sure. So, but, but again, to put, a, put, to put a score on it, I'm thinking, like, 24 to 14, 23 to 13, those kind of things. Yeah, I'm, I'll go with 31-17. Okay. Just to go a little bit over. <laughs> no, I, I, I think the Titans should be able to score some points on the Jags. I really do. Um, I think that's one of those that they should be able to put a lot of pressure. Sure, they should. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you what they should be able to do. I can't, pre- I mean, <laughs> they, they didn't play great. They did not, but I believe that the factors in Denver played a bigger role in the Titans' performance. Sure. So I think it's all uphill. And please look to convert and do not rely on that kicking game just in case. Absolutely. So, I noticed mine was only four extra points and one field goal. Oh, yeah. Mine was definitely at least one missed extra point, I think. So we'll see what happens. But it still had a field goal on there, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but that's going to do it for us this week. Great show. We're looking forward to um, another positive week for the Titans, hopefully being able to start 2-0, and take control of this division. Uh, but this has been the Coach's Corner, part of Broadway Sports Network. Be sure and check out all the other podcast articles and video breakdown, or excuse me, breakdowns that Broadway Sports has to offer at broadwaysportsmedia.com and on Twitter at BroadwayTN. Remember to sign up right now at broadwaysportsmedia.com using the code KICKOFF30. Good for 30% off monthly or annual membership or life. It expires Sunday, September 20th at 12 p.m. Central. Make sure you're also following your host, JB at Jonathan at JB on Broad, and me, Ryan on Broadway, and the show, Coaches on Broad. Be sure to rate, subscribe, five stars. Sorry, rate five stars, subscribe. Until next time, we out. See ya.